News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. Uh, you're, you're listening to Rick Van Davenick and join me today again is Jill Van Davenick, my daughter. Good morning, Jill. So uh, as you heard on the, on the news just, just uh, passed is that it uh, looks like we're looking for a storm coming through again. This uh, this maybe Tuesday, I guess, and uh, get your shovels ready. Hopefully, you got your snow tires on. But I've also noticed when I was driving around uh, coming to the studio today is that um, there's just a nice little skiff of snow on everybody's yards. But uh, like, not everybody's gonna, might get this this uh, snowstorm. Looks like it's going to be more the southwest and up, especially up north, is going to be fairly heavy. And we're supposed to get some heavy winds as well. So some places, Saskatchewan could get up to 90 kilometer winds. So uh, but what I've noticed, though, is that uh, we did this last week. We had some minus 16s in some parts of the province. That's pretty cold and with no snow cover. So uh, it's amazing what just a little skiff of snow, what you see around, at least in Saskatoon here, a little skiff of snow, how much that insulates. So if you do see the snow melting away from the side of your house, because, you know, we are going to be getting to zeros or plus ones still uh, during the day in the next couple of days. If it does melt away and the snow disappears, take some of that snow from the grass in that areas and just put it over top of the plants. It's amazing. Just that little couple inches of snow is a huge insulator. Uh, and if you don't have any snow in some areas of the province, then you might need to use some some bark mulch or leaves that you've collected. Of course, uh, I've told you to put your leaves in a bag and save them. Don't put them away. And so you can always use those leaves uh, to protect some of those plants. If they're uncovered and we're getting below minus 15, that's when you want to watch for, especially some of your some of your more tender perennials. Hostas. Hostas. Yep. Heucheras or coral bells and hostas, and those are just to name a few. Um, some hydrangeas, maybe yeah. for the first couple of years while they're getting rooted in, those yeah. are good. Yeah. Um, azaleas, um, rhododendrons, all of those ones, you should probably be mulching a little bit extra. Well, yeah, and same thing with, um, yeah, like I said, hydrangeas would be one that we're just watching for. And if you have some azaleas, rhododendrons, yeah, in the shrubs and those kind of things. So that, that's one that you have to watch for. Uh, but otherwise, a little bit of snow, and, um, and it sounds like some of the parts of the province are going to get a, a lot of snow. This and the, the plants will be they perfect. They said up to a foot, they'll, possibly. Those plants will be set. They'll be, they'll be set for the winter time. Then they'll be good. Uh, just like last winter, we had that early snow in November, and uh, the plants actually did very well through the winter when they had that snow cover. So it's good protection. So. Um, uh, but also I've noticed, uh, Jill, is that um, with the snow coming on, you have. Uh, I want to tell people about using, you're starting to see salt on the sidewalks and those kind of things. So one thing you got to be careful about, especially with the landscape, is what type of salt you use, okay? So make sure it's not, you'll see in some of those bags, is just the rock salt. Well, that's really hard on your driveway, your 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 floors in your house when you bring it in with your feet and also but your your plants and your lawn so what am i looking for when i go pick up salt look for a, a salt that that's more that that's that says it's environmentally more environmentally friendly it's made for landscapes it's pet friendly obviously so yeah there pets, is difference between pet friendly salts that, and non-pet friendly that, salts. exactly yes. so uh one that uh, that i've seen and and it's it's made for it's made in saskatoon it's it's called Meltzol, M-E-L-T-Z, I believe, M-E, Meltzol. And it's made in Saskatoon, so it's made for minus 28. 
And right? we can support local. And we can support local. And it's pet friendly. And uh, so it even has a little pink color in it so you can see where it is, you know, where you, where you put it as well. And that's all a natural product as well. So that's one that you can look for. You'll see it in all the stores. The, you'll see it in the garden centers. You'll see it in the Ronas. You'll see it everywhere else. But you're you're supporting a local company. But it is pet friendly and it's good for your more better for now. I should I should clarify myself. If you dump a big pile of it on top of your lawn or your shrubs, yeah, you're going to get a burn spot. Okay. But if you just use it as normal, like you normally would do it, uh, just nice spreading, then it's not going to affect um, the the landscape. And then in early spring, should I be leaching those areas a little bit more to get rid of the salt or, or uh, anything like that yeah, in near my sidewalk on my lawn yeah, or in those shrub the, areas? The biggest thing is if you get a bigger buildup, like this stuff is not supposed to ha- cause that kind of a problem uh, because of the concentrates of, you know, I think it's sodium chloride in it and uh, so um, just a matter of you know just a matter of you can spring you could just water it leach it but a lot of times the snow melting the snow because you piled the big pile that's of snow that's true right a lot of times that will just leach it away it will dilute it enough yeah, too exactly so um Another thing we're seeing, uh, Jill, I've seen a lot of lot around is um, is the poinsettias now. Yes, they that, have arrived. Uh, they have arrived. I've seen them in the greenhouse. Now, now the first shipments of poinsettias, you'll usually see they aren't as red as some of the later yep. um, shipments. Why, why is that? Um, because they do take time to start changing. Actually, the the leaves that are red are actually um, called bracts, which is just a. a another form of a leaf and so that's why they last for so long so those leaves are actually turning a red color the actual flower on a poinsettia plant is those little ball almost seed like looking things in the middle of those bracts those red bracts and so those will be nice and tight and then eventually when they open they get a little bit of a a red tinge to them and so if you have a nice tight little balls in the center of your poinsettia that means that that poinsettia is early on in the stages it's going to last a really long time and bloom for a long time too Great. So, you know what? If you want to join us and ask some questions about the poinsettias or, or different kinds of like that, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That's one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. And uh, you can do that by calling or texting. We'll take them both on the line here. Uh, we do have one text right here, Jill. It's uh, Swedish ivy. In the same pot, six inches for a year. Some leaves dull and a little brown. Uh, could have one and a half strength fertilizer or repot help that's ken from regina well swedish ivy is a very vigorous vine so in a six inch pot for that long you might want to transplant into a bigger pot it's also a plant that takes cuttings very well too so if you take some cuttings off of it and put it rooted in some water or even cut it right underneath a node a node is an area where the leaf comes out of the stem so cut it right below a node put it in the soil and you'll start seeing some roots come out of there and you'll have a new plant so you can start some new babies and with the Swedish ivy you can also um, trim that back so cut it right back to about a third of the size um, every every fall season and it will grow back like crazy so fertilizer for that one is just 20-20-20 all-purpose fertilizer it's not a blooming plant so you're not really needing to force any blooms on. now his question was he wants to use one and a half times the strength of fertilizer now, is that recommended, especially for the wintertime? Well, in the wintertime, the plant's not going to be actively growing. Yep. So, no, I would not be just, fertilizing Just stay to your normal fertilizer yes. regime, right? Yeah, and yep. you can even decrease your fertilizer in the wintertime. Like, you might even be wanting to fertilize yep. less. But your plants do need still fertilizer because, obviously, you have a soilless mix, so you still have to add some food. 
otherwise your plants will even starve. If it's looking dull too, he might want to add some iron and that might help green it up a bit too. Now, Ken is going to, he said he wanted to put in another size of pot, right? Mm -hmm. What do you recommend for size of pot to go up if he went from, he said he had a six inch pot. How big should he go to, What? how she put it into a 12 inch pot? So that's a really important question. And a lot of times if we take a pot and we move it into like go from a six inch to a 12 inch pot, there's going to be so much extra soil in there that that plant is going to, A, it's going to stunt the growth of the plant and B, it's going to be hard to maintain the consistency in watering. So I usually would go up no more than two to three inches in diameter at a time, let the roots hit the edge of the pot and then transplant it up to a bigger size later. Okay. So um, we also have uh, Jill and Rick, I have a Carragana. Um, I have some carrageenna from seed this summer, and they will be all in a tray right now and green. What should I do for them for the wintertime? So the carrageennas, what you probably should do to them is you should probably now, now they've, they've all, you've had them all sprouted, you should probably get them to go into a more of a dormant stage. So put them in a cool place, a little bit darker, and then water them sparingly. Carrageenna don't need a, a ton of water, okay, especially now. So I want them to go into a, a time when they want to go dormant. So put, yeah, cooler place. This, you can go down as cool as you can. Don't go, don't go to zero right away. Sort of acclimatize them and get them just like they would be in, in the normal outside. They, you know, the, every, every night times in August start getting cooler. In September, they get cooler. So acclimatize it. And then you can, um, and if, once they do the, lose their leaves, then you can get them, you can keep them up to not any lower than minus 10. So more around zero be perfect. You can keep them in an area like that and have them dormant. And if you want to get them started again, you do that in April again, if you want to get them growing so that you can transplant them later, or you can leave them in a dormant stage and then just plant them straight outside next spring. So that's one thing you can do there. So uh, that ends for this, this segment, Jill. So uh, we're going to go on to our break. I'm Rick Van Dominick. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. You're listening to Jill Van Damendijk and Rick Van Damendijk answering all your questions here at one 332 8255 You can either call or text at that same number, one 332 8255 Jill, I can't believe it's like November the 14th already. I know. So, I mean, where's the time going? You know, look at... Basically, you're going to be looking in a little bit, a month and a little bit, it's going to be Christmas already. So so usually at this time of year, the greenhouse, we're just cleaning up from chocolate here. Yes. And what's chocolate here? Explain to our guests if I'm talking about chocolate Chocolate here is a fundraiser that, that we did at Dutch Growers in Saskatoon. And that was, uh, it was, it was huge. It was for, I think they raised over $2 million in the, all the years that we've done it. And all the money went to the, to the, the cancer center to help men, women, and children to fight cancer. So we put a lot of equipment into the cancer center. That's what I love that, about this yeah. is it actually purchases, um, something that is earmarked right for our center yeah. here in Saskatoon. Yeah. So it went specifically for equipment and, uh, uh, like the last piece of equipment they were working on was, uh, was for diagnostics. Like, you know how long it takes? Sometimes you get a sample sent away and you got to wait for, weeks sometimes to find out whether you've got cancer or not. Well, they were able to put that piece of equipment in and now narrow that time hugely uh, down. So it's huge. And so if you're interested still, um, 
uh, last two years we haven't had chocolate cure in our greenhouses, and uh, and so it's been kind of it's, it would have been this last weekend, and so it's kind of sad that we don't have it. But there is still if you go to chocolate cure, so C H O C and then L A and then cure, and then you can go to that website and then you can see a donate now type of thing if you want to help out with that and the money all goes to the Saskatchewan Cancer Center and uh, Saskatchewan, uh, Saskatchewan Cancer Center and uh, Society and then you uh, you actually get a receipt as well for that and so you're like I said you're helping men women and children um, to help help them once they've been diagnosed with cancer to help treatment for them to, to help them get through it. So although we do not have the gala and yes. the twinkle lights and the tables, tables. and the auction yeah. and all that fun live music happening this year, there is still a way we can get involved um, through donating on that Chocolate Care website. So. Yeah, there's usually about 500 people, that, and we just can't put 500 people with what's going on right now in a greenhouse. So, it's, uh, But you can do this virtually. It's a great cause, and, uh, and it's, it's amazing uh, how many people, you know, it was so interesting, Jill, the, the, peop- the testimonies of people coming up on stage at the Chocolate Cures in the past, of people that said that, that they, they've beat cancer and it was because they found out that there was a piece of equipment that Chocolate Cure was able to help purchase. And uh, it's quite amazing. And, you know, just tears come from your eyes when you hear those kind of testimonies. Absolutely. And now, like, we will be getting set up with Christmas trees next. So, like, we usually take down and the Christmas trees will be starting to arrive on Tuesday. Yeah. And now I'm just warning people right now is that I was had a conference call with garden centers across last week with garden centers across Canada. And a lot of garden centers got cut back their, their shipments because there's a shortage of Christmas trees, especially Fraser Furs. There's a huge uh, shortage, so uh, I have a feeling that our garden center will be probably sold out. I figured by the 15th, probably about the 15th, will probably be sold out. And so uh, don't wait. You can always store them in a spot out of the sun and that kind of stuff. Don't wait until Christmas Eve because there won't be any trees around. I guarantee that. So uh, right now we're going to go to Morris in, uh, in Hedden. Good morning, Morris. How are you today? Very good. You have a question. Yeah, what's them white things that are nodules on the bottom of gladiola bulbs when you dig them up? Um, a lot of times with the gladiola bulbs, they'll have some nodules on them. Some sometimes they're funguses, but sometimes you just have a ba- it's a bacteria that that's naturally in the soil, and usually it's nothing to worry about. Okay. With okay. those nodules, uh, just one thing you can make sure is that um, if you're going to you're storing your gladiol bulbs or dahlias or 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 begonias, the best thing to do is get some uh, like um, see there's some gar- garden sulfur or some bulb dust, okay, and just dust them and keep garden, the, garden sulfur or what or a, a bulb dust, okay. And if you put a bulb dust on them, that'll just help protect them. They, they're all, when you first bought them, they were all had that dust on them. It's a fungicide that keeps them from getting any fungals, okay? So, and then make sure, where, how do you store them, Morris, for the wintertime? In a paper bag in the basement. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, yep. paper bag, or if you store them in a little bit of dry peat or uh, sawdust, sawdust. And, hit that. and if you use a plastic bag, perforate. Put lots of holes in the plastic bag. I would suggest not <laughs> using a plastic bag. I like bag. using paper. It just does way better. Or even, you know, you get those onions in a mesh bag, yep. you know, those kind of things. That that works good for something. Also like having that. enough space between the bulbs so they're not touching each other is yep. good too. That's pretty tough in a paper bag, yeah. but uh, but otherwise, basically is dry, cool. That's the best thing to do. And putting a little bit of that uh, bulb dust in them will help make sure that you don't have any issues at all. So you tear them things off before you plant them, eh? Yeah, you can if you want. Yeah, you can plant them because you're not going to plant the the glad bulbs right back out into the soil. You don't have to pre-plant them, so you're going to put them straight out into the garden. So you can you can just uh, you can take them off if you want. That's not a problem. 
Okay. Okay. Well, do you plant plant bulbs straight in the garden? I transplant them. You transplant them? You can yeah. if you want. You don't need to. They come pretty quickly anyways. You, okay. can, you can put glad straight out into the garden. If okay. you want to get a head start on it, so you have them a little bit, the flowers a little bit earlier in the summertime, then I would suggest starting them up, oh, about mid-April type of thing. Okay. Okay? Because you don't want to, if you give them too long, they're going to be too tall and they're going to fall out of your pot. Yeah, right. Okay? okay? Yeah. Have a great okay, day. Thank you. You're welcome. So here I have a, a text here, Jill. Um, I, I purchased four amaryllis bulbs. Can I use cactus and succulent soil to plant them in? This is Lynn from North Battleford. Absolutely. Um, amaryllis bulbs like a well-drained soil. Yeah. So you can plant them even straight in rock if you want to. I know some people who plant them in rock and then just have a little bit of water underneath so the roots are just hanging down into water. Yeah. You so can't have the bulb standing in the water because it will rot. You can't have the yeah. bulb sitting in the water, but they'll have it so that it's sort of hovering above the water. So that's uh, that's how that one goes. But yeah, definitely um, pick a pot that's about an inch bigger in diameter than your bulb all the way around and put well-drained soil in there. Keep it evenly moist but not sopping wet is the best for your amaryllis bulb. We took a, a big old crock pot, you know, like this really old... Those old, you know, ones have the numbers on the side, how many, how many, uh, liters or whatever on the yes. side of them. And we planted about four or five amaryllis bulbs in them. Uh, your mom just did that just the other day. Oh, yeah. She was sending and, me pictures and, of that. And so they're all growing. And so we'll have multiple colors and multiple, uh, amaryllis in one pot. But we said it's a big enough pot where the bulbs are in there, but they're not going to be touching each other. And then we put some rocks on the top of it. Yeah, and, putting some rocks or putting some yeah, moss around it for decorative. Just for decorative, yeah. yeah. you'll see a lot of that. It's, it's a very European way of gardening inside the house. And a lot of people will do fresh flowers in the house, and they're buying themselves a new bouquet of flowers every week or two. And um, doing an arrangement with an amaryllis or paper whites or hyacinths even is just a way to extend maybe that floral yeah. arrangement on your countertop as well. We've been doing that quite often in our home, you know, cut a bouquet of cut flowers. We pick up, and uh, it, it's amazing how much you just walk through the yard. You don't really know in, 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 the, in, the, in the house. Sometimes you don't notice, and all of a sudden you just notice them, and it just puts a smile on your face. It does. Having you know? fresh flowers in the house yeah. is so nice. In Europe, like I said, in Europe, uh, when I go to Europe, you see that in people's houses all the time. I mean, you've got people in, in the summertime and that on the side of the road, on, down the ramps and the freeways selling, you know. It's a staple item. It's a staple item. You uh, yeah. are walking home from work, and if you don't have flowers on your table, you're stopping and picking up flowers. Yeah. It's that kind of like what you do to put a smile on your face. And we, we come to visit them in Holland. You come to the house, and the house is just full of flowers. It's just everywhere. The whole, it's so it's, beautiful. It's quite something, yeah. So Christmas trees. Yes, Christmas trees, like I was saying before, is there is going to be, there has been a shortage uh, the last couple of years. This year, um, I was lucky. I, was, I thought I was going to be uh, short of Christmas trees uh, because they cut back my order of Fraser furs by half. Oh, my goodness. But because I'm a long-term customer, they were able to supplement me with balsam furs. So I'm still at my same shipment, uh, but other people couldn't get that. So Okay, well, we'll talk a little bit about, about how that. to care for those in the next segment. So we're going to go back to the news break right now. You're listening to Garden Talk on 660 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. You're joining Rick Van Damnick and Jill Van Damnick, my guests today. Uh, give us a call at one 332 8255 and you can either text or call at that same number, one 332 8255 Well, Jill, you know what I've, I've noticed in my yard, I've been getting my little, my have a, uh, have a security camera and has motion on it, okay? And... Just about every night now, the crazy deer are coming into my yard. 
and here they are, almost have the have the deer coming in the yard and motion off the detector, and they're coming in and chewing on my junipers. And that's early this year. Like normally, I see them coming more in you know February when they can't get the grass and that kind of stuff. But they've been coming in a little bit earlier this year, so I'm concerned because I know last year they ate my mucle pines just down to the stems. There's there was no needles, and this year the needles are about about a half inch, three quarter inch long, trying to recover. So I think those. So what do you- is there some things that you can do to keep those deer away? Uh, well, there's some things you can do with the deer. Uh, the best one is just get a good dog. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a good dog. Is a, Max doing that for you? No, Rick? no, my Max is inside dog. So it's, uh, it, but, uh, but it, you know, but a dog does, even, even the dog being outside and does its, you know, does his business around, even that smell will help keep them away. But otherwise you can use things like, um, there are things, there's some Bob X and those kind of things you can spray on some of your plants. They don't like the smell of that. Okay. Um, some people have even said from the hairdresser they've taken human hair right and put it into a little sack or something like that that has air, can air move through it and they hang it on the trees oh. and that scent will keep them away uh, but it's it's tough when they, otherwise the best thing to do is actually if you got some special trees like apple trees and those kind of things where you want to keep the deer and the rabbits away best thing to do is get a piece of snow fence and put it around it so they can't chew if they chew on the little branches on the ends that's not so bad is when they chew on the chunk on the trunk of the tree or right now you're getting especially if you got Swedish aspens or different plants like that even my even my ash the the bucks come this time of year because they're in the rut right now and they come and rub their the antlers right. And that's where they do a lot of damage Once as well. Once they're scraping that bark, yeah. that's where the nutrients are going up and I the used, tree. Uh, um, when I had uh, one buck come into the yard, one way I was able to get rid of him by not doing that is I took some Irish spring soap. Okay. And I rub, took a bar of soap and I rubbed it on the bark. On the, hmm. And so that Irish soap came. They don't like any of those kind of smells of their antlers. They just don't like it. I remember the cedar trees at the cabin up by Wasasu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we called them our topiary, topiary cedars trees. Yeah, because they would be eaten about up to 10 feet up. Well, that's and because then, the elk would come and they're a lot taller and they yes. would just reach up, right? <laughs> so we always had snow fences around those, those yeah. cedars to we get them to grow a, back. Yep. Yeah. And kept snow fences around, and then that way they didn't, they could only trim what was sticking out of the fence, and they didn't get in past that. So the best way is if you want to protect the seed, especially cedars, uh, deer and and rabbits like cedars, um, uh, especially in the country, and you have problems with that, or rabbits, uh, that's the best thing to do is, is that. And Or you can put a trunk guard on the trunk. Um, if you haven't done that yet, you should do that because... If we're going to get the snow we're talking about, we're also going to have a problem with voles as well. And, and the voles the go underneath, under, underneath the snow and they, they'll snack on your trunk or your tree underneath the snow. So if you have some young apple trees and those kind of stuff and you live in the, in the town or the city where you're backing onto a grass area or you live in, in an acreage, uh, I would suggest putting some of those tree guards on your trunks just to protect from even the voles. And they love the um, fruit trees because the sap's a bit sweeter too. Well, the bark is, uh, you think the apple's sweet? It has a nice taste to it. So does the bark. Yes. Okay, so that's one thing you have to be careful about there. So I always put my Christmas tree up as soon as we get the shipment in and every year it's dry, dry, dry. Well, so you always tell me, hold off, Jill, hold off. So I think with the short of Christmas trees this year. I'm going to get my tree early, yep. um, but I'm not going to quite pick it up, uh, put it up in my house yet. So tell me, go over with me and with our our listeners here, kind of how, what's the best way I should be storing my tree? Um, how should I cut it, water it, all those things. Yeah, like in our garden center, we they arrive on the 17th. Yeah, so that's Tuesday, coming, that's, Wednesday. Coming up right away, right? Yeah. So 
So the best thing to do is we put them, we have them in a spot where in the greenhouse where we can, we water them, right? As soon as they come off the truck, we, we wet them all down and water them just because they take, they'll still hydrate through the needles, right? Daily we're, we're hosing so those down. So gotta remember, Christmas trees, there's millions of trees cut. So they don't cut them just the day before you go and buy them. Okay. They're, they're, they've been, a lot of the Christmas trees have been cut already and they're being shipped right across North America. Yes. So, um, so one thing you got to do is that if you're going to put it up this early, it won't survive. If you're going to put it in the house this early, it doesn't matter if you make your fresh cut on the bottom, you cut two inches off the bottom, you keep it in the water, you put in some, some, uh, tree, some preserve. tree preservative. It's not going to help if you put it up in the middle of November. It won't make it to the, to, oh, till Christmas. Darn. Sorry, Jill. <laughs> so the best thing to do is if you want to get your tree early, it's not a problem because it's no different within the tree lot or in your yard. Okay. Just put them in a shady spot. Okay. Not in the direct sun. So don't put them up against the side of the house or the side of your garden shed and uh, where it's, it's, um, where, where it's the sun is beating on it. So put them in the shade. Uh, if you decide you want to put them into your garage and as long as your garage is cold, but if it's heated, I would suggest not putting it in a heated garage. Especially if there's a fan or a furnace going in there, that will dry it out. A bit That'll too. dry it out. Especially if you got a, yeah, if you got a, you got a, if you have a radiant heater, even if you have a radiant tube or some light in your garage, it'll, it'll dry it out. So don't put it in there. Put it outside and just like I said, in the shade somewhere. Um, and then that way it'll, it'll, then you just bring it in when you want to make your fresh cut just before you're going to put it inside the house and, and then you'd be fine. But, um, don't put it in a warm place. Don't even, I don't even like putting it. If, if, if you're putting it inside the shed, okay. If you have a garden shed where you have your lawnmower and everything yeah. in, as long as you, you know that the temperature is not going to get really warm inside on a warm day. Like if it okay. goes to zero or plus one and it gets really warm inside, I don't want to do that either. Okay. I could also take my mist bottle out there if it's in the shed and mist it down every If it's above zero. Yeah. Absolutely. You can actually mm-hmm. take your mist bottle. I would suggest not cutting it open, leaving it tight if you can buy it that early. So if you go, so you have to go to the, the tree lot and actually pick a tree. And when you pick a tree when it's not open, you can't see it. Pick a bunch, look at a bunch of trees that you kind of like and then lift them up and feel what they feel like. As long as they're about the same size trunk size, pick the one that feels the heaviest. I find they do the high, such a good job of trimming the trees and making yeah. them a very consistent yeah. um, it's look. It's pretty good. But you want to make sure that if the one that's heavier, as mm-hmm. long as it's not one has a small little trunk and one has a big trunk, it'll be one, the bigger trunk will be heavier. Yes. So as long as they're consistently in size, and just pick the, the heavier one will have a bigger moisture content in the tree. Okay. Okay. So that that's why you want to, that's why. So you, if I, I'm going to the tree lot and I'm lifting the trees up, yeah. I'm looking for a bit of a heavier tree yeah. because it will hold more water. It will hold more water. Exactly. So you can check that out and they can do it. Now, Jill, also in the garden center of this game is is all the live greens. Yeah, I just switched out my pots last week and we're going to have some YouTube um, videos hitting our YouTube channel at Dutch Growers right away with putting those together. Um, But there's so many live greens. So I have dug out um, the plants in my containers and I leave this little bit of soil in there or you can dig a hole big enough to put a pot in there and then I use a product either you can use sand and then I stick a block of oasis in there. And what oasis is, it's like a a sponge that will um, retain moisture. And I stick that in um, into the pot, and then I'll I'll um, I'll put the greens in there. And there's so many different types of greens, and I love how it just is so welcoming to your home. You have your beautiful flowers, then you put the pumpkins and fall mums in the in the fall, and now it's time to put the greens in. So the cedar and the pine and the juniper and the hemlock and noble fir and silver fir. So many different textures and colors that you can put in um, to your pots, just to add that sort of welcoming touch to your your front doorstep. So okay, now Jill, if you're gonna 
have it indoors or even sitting on your your uh, wreath, let's say on your door, what's the best way to preserve that? Well, you can take it and you can soak it in your bathtub. Yep. And I usually will do that before I put it up if it's a live wreath and that just gets it lots of moisture in it. And then there's also a product called Wiltproof and Wiltproof is an anti, anti-transparent product. product. Um, and what it does is it protects the plants from the moisture perspiring through the foliage of the plant. Yeah, so, so basically it's a wax substance and basically coats the needles and so they don't transpire, they don't sweat. So Yeah, and the great thing about that, you can actually use it on your cedars outside too and it won't interfere with the growth of the plant and it's organic and biodegradable, all of those things. Now we're going to take a break, Joe. We're going to talk more about that after we get back here again, but uh, don't don't forget to join us here on one 332 You're listening to Rick Van Dominick and Jill Van Dominick on Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Welcome to Garden Talk. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we're going to go right to the calls, Jill. We're good, but one, if you have a call or a text you want to send us, just give us a call at one 332 That's one 877 Three three two eight two five five. This is the last segment, but we have here Diane from Regina. Good morning, Diane. Yes, um, you know I have two bougainvilleas plants that were just beautiful outside. Yes, they had loads of flowers, two different colors, and just beautiful and very big and thick and just beautiful. And then we brought them in the house, and because they were not in the bright sunlight. I thought they would need less water, so I don't know if I watered them enough. But I don't know what's happening, but I know that the flowers can fall because they go to a dormant stage, but they're also losing a lot of leaves. And I've tried everything that I can think of. We have a a really good grow light, and I'm not sure what to do. Well, I want to assure you that you're doing everything right and what you're seeing right now is a natural process that bougainvilleas will do. Now, naturally, you'll see bougainvilleas growing in very tropical, hot places where there's lots of sunlight year-round. Um, so yes. it is just doing that. It's reacclimatizing. It's dropping its leaves. It's going almost um, dormant like what our trees do outside. It, it could drop even all of its leaves. Um, oh, really? Just, just keep, and it doesn't mean it's dying? It doesn't mean it's dying. It's just going dormant. So the most important thing is that you're doing what you said. Really be paying attention to your watering. You want to decrease your watering a little bit while it's dormant, but don't decrease it completely so that that soil goes rock hard. So that's really, really important. Um, the okay. other thing is is it might be dormant for quite a while. So you might see like little leaves um, come off of it, but it's not going to be the most beautiful plant in the wintertime in your home. But still continue to give it bright light um, if you have a little grow light water it consistently and then come when our daylight hours start increasing bougainvilleas they love to bloom off some of that new growth so when you pinch them that's when you're starting going to start getting that new growth for you so that's something to keep in mind as well now bright light do you want direct sunlight or just indirect sunlight well in the winter time with those bougainvilleas they can handle the the direct Direct sunlight sunlight, so a south or west facing window or slightly away from them the biggest thing is they won't like the draft too much so make sure that they're not getting a cool draft from a window as well oh so they shouldn't be too close to the window yeah you want to make sure that you if you feel the plant or put your hand next to the plant and you can feel that coldness off the window you want to keep it above 65 degrees on that plant 
Okay, so it doesn't mean that I thought they were dying and I was so disappointed. I know, it's a little nerve-wracking. The citrus plants will do the same thing when you bring them in the house too. It's just because they are just like those trees that drop the leaves in the the fall and winter and they go through dormant when they're in a climate where they're not getting enough sunlight. So you're doing a great job and I want to encourage you on that and just, just keep at it and keep enjoying these plants. So do you, but you said you decrease the water when they're in a dormant stage. Yes. So you want to keep the soil, stick your finger into the soil, and I'd probably stick my finger like an inch or two down into the pot, and you'll want it to feel slightly dry to the touch before you're watering it, okay? So if you feel moisture, leave it alone. Okay. Okay. Uh, notes here. Thank you very much because I just love those plants. Great. Yeah, and as through the season, if you're if you're nervous at all, feel free to call the garden center and we can help walk you through it or call the show back again and we can continue to follow the progress on your plants. Thank you. And you probably don't fertilize during the, the dormant season. No fertilizer. You can start fertilizing it again end of February, beginning of March. Okay. Well, you've been very helpful. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call, Diane. And we have uh, Joe from Regina. Hello, Joe. Hey, how are you doing? Very good. Good, good. Just a question about ghost peppers. Um, I started growing them this spring and kept them outside in the bright sun, and obviously sun's a big factor in their growth. Um, got a good yield out of them, moved them into the house, keep them away from the windows, have grow lights on them. They just don't seem to, their leaves are turning yellow. They don't seem to be producing. I'm not overwatering. I'm just wondering, if, is there just no chance of them here with inside the house well, one in thing- our province? One thing you need to do when you're when you're producing inside, you have to also use the Q-tip and be the bee, right? When the, if you got the flowers out, okay, because okay. they don't have the pollinators obviously inside the house, okay. So you're going to have to be the bee. So you have to be the bee, or otherwise you have to have a little fan around so that you move air around so that you get you know self pollination that way, okay. So, so when you're talking pollinators, when they're outside on the deck, they're actually being pollinated naturally by bees and it, other insects. Exactly. And you don't have that in the house. Even the wind will help with even it. The, even the wind will move the pollination or pollination from flower to flower, okay? And you just don't have that in the house. So the best thing to do is gotcha. use, a, use a Q-tip and go from plant to plant. Now, if you're turning yellow, now that's going to be... One thing about it is that you had your ghost peppers going all, all, all the whole time. So one thing there probably also is that you, you may be just running out of steam on those, on those peppers, okay? So you may have yep. to actually, you know, if you want peppers, you might have to start up some new ones again. You know, start get some seed and start some new ones up, and then grow them up, and then start them in your in, in your green in your side under your grow lights again. But you do need so grow lights for at least twelve. Their, What's that? Go ahead. You need grow they'll lights. They'll actually run their time where they're they've done producing. Exactly. Yeah, the ghost pepper is a special one though. You can probably grow and produce peppers on a ghost pepper indoors for about up to five years on one plant. Yeah. So they are a bit different that way. Um, but you do need to supplement it with light. And the other thing is, is the humidity in our houses is very low. So adding a pebble tray nearby, which is just a, a tray, add some rocks into it, put some water in it and put that nearby the plant or right underneath the plant. So the plant's not sitting in water and the water can evaporate around it. Um, you want to be careful you're not misting it too heavily and adding humidity that way because what that will do is you'll just get funguses on the leaves. So if you're misting it, mist only enough um, mist on water on the plant that it's evaporating within 30 seconds. So that's another thing is adding that humidity will make a big difference. Now, for Joe, you how close are the lights to the plant? Um, it's a- um, 12 to 14 inches. Yeah, okay. So you could be even a little bit closer. Unless you got a, unless you got a fairly bright light, you know, uh, but also make sure that's on for 12 to 14 hours a day. Okay. 
okay, I'm not running it that much, maybe 8 to 10 hours a day. Yeah, probably go to 12 to 14. And something with the with the ghost pepper is they do like a little slightly warmer temperatures. So 75 to 85 degrees is kind of where they their happy place is. So a lot of people will put them into like a little mini greenhouse indoors to keep the temperature a little bit higher. Yeah, that's what I was thinking is trying to maybe mm-hmm. build a little mini greenhouse. I'll give it a shot. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thanks. Okay, we have a couple of texts here, Jill, and you take care of. Uh, how do you get a Christmas cactus to flower? That's Sandra from PA. There's a few ways you can get a Christmas cactus to flower. Uh, I find they flower with a little bit of stress. So decreasing your watering a little bit and then increasing your watering, um, making sure you're adding some fertilizer. And the other thing, too, is temperature. So you can always uh, put them in a little bit of a cooler area um, and then move them back into a warmer area, and that might help promote them to bloom a little bit for you. Okay, so another text I had from Sarah from Kalanze. Uh, is it better to cut off dead branches from the mature, about 15 feet tall, tamarack, green ash, spruce trees, or is it better to leave them for root shade? When is, uh, when is it best to cut? And also, do you have... Oh, okay, another question you can ask here, Jill, is uh, also, do you, what do you do with amaryllis that has long green leaves but no flower stem? Oh, should we want to do the amaryllis first? Do the amaryllis first. We only got about a minute. So. Okay, awesome. So the amaryllis, you, um, if it just has long green leaves and not the flower stem, you can wait for the flower stem to come. It might be that it hasn't gone through the cold period yet. So you want to decrease your watering, let those leaves die back, and then put them into cold storage for about eight weeks. And then you can bring it back out and it will start blooming yeah. again. Even if you just almost go through a stress period where the leaves will sort of dry, wilt in that, you can put them in a darker place and then transplant your plant too after that. Take it out of the pot, even put it back in the same pot again. Yes. That shock will actually, a lot of times, will set it up. If it's already gone through that and you have the green leaves, maybe it just hasn't sent up the flower spike yet, so you just got to be a little bit more patient. Okay, so I'll trimming the boughs of the trees. You can do that right now if you want on all those trees, not a problem. And um, uh, the only ones you don't want to do, too, is birch trees because they'll bleed like crazy. So you can do that, and yeah, no, it won't hurt them. It won't hurt them. The tree will adjust to, don't have to worry about the shade for the roots and that kind of stuff, and uh, it'll be fine. Well, Jill, that's another show. It's Thank been you. fun. It's been fun. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Yeah, you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.